Season's greetings, everyone. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. It's your Yuletide edition of A Few Extra Bucks here on PeterPirates.com. The Bucks have been naughty, but we're going to try to be as nice as we can talking about this football team. I am merely Mike Neighbors. We're going to bring in our producer, Justin Thomas, and our Buccaneer insider, Roy Cummings, in just a bit. But first, I'd like to thank our title sponsors, House of Brews and Lutes on the corner of Northdale, Mabry, and Van Dyke. And, of course, Sea Dog Brewing Company, two great locations, Clearwater and Treasure Island. Great, great brews, great, great food, great, great, great service. Justin Thomas, are you in the holiday spirit, even though the Bucks are terrible? <laughs> I am, actually. I can't believe it's uh, right around the corner. And I know Roy Cummings got to spend some time with his brother and his family recently. Uh, back, made it for the podcast, uh, Roy, I heard this from a local radio host in Tampa. This will be one of those uh, lines that will go down in infamy of local sports talk radio in Tampa. The Bucks have been like a broken record, something different every week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, has, has Yogi Berra suddenly become a uh, talk show <laughs> radio host here in Tampa? Son of a gun. Well, yeah, there they are. Um they're, they are like a broken record. You know what? It's actually an accurate statement. They are like a broken record, and it is something different with these clowns every week, it seems. They find a different way to lose almost every week. Um, but the one thing that you know, keeps happening, they more, more often than not keep on losing. By the way, um, your ho-ho-ho at the beginning there, uh, a tremendous, in my opinion, uh, <laughs> impression of the Santa Claus in a Christmas story. Oh. Oh, that's a good point. What would you like for Christmas, little boy? <laughs> How about a nice football? Oh, yeah, yeah. How about a football? Yeah, a football. Wait a minute. I'm blowing it. <laughs> you know, Ralphie was on Dan Patrick this week. And was he? He produces sports shows uh, in a production house with his childhood friend, Vince Vaughn. And he's working with Dan Patrick. And Ralphie actually still has the bunny suit. He has the rifle and some other stuff, maybe even the lamp stored away. I don't know what that would go for, but I, you know, I know a lot of people pay big money for that stuff. I'll tell you what, that lamp is the boardwalk item in the Monopoly game <laughs> of a Christmas story, man. Yeah. Um, by the way, you know what? That would be a great Monopoly game. I don't, it may be out there for all I know. It probably is. That would be a. It wouldn't. Yeah, that would be a great Monopoly game. I mean, you get the turkey, and how much do you want for the bunny suit? And obviously the lamp, that's boardwalk. You know, Bumpus, Bumpus's dogs, uh, that's 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 like, you know, Baltic, you know, Baltic Avenue or whatever. That so that'd that'd be pretty that'd be cool, man. Instead of going to jail, you just gotta like lick the pole for a while. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. How about that? That'd be good. You know what we're we're uh we're you know what this is, guys. This is what happens when the Bucks are out of the playoffs for the <laughs> This is what the Buccaneers podcast becomes. It becomes a uh, a look at a Christmas story and ho ho ho. Oh my goodness. You know what? The broken record's something different every week. You know, the only way that really kind of makes sense to me is that it is a broken record with just scratching your head at the Bucks, but it's it's just amazing to me 
how good the offense can be and then how bad the offense can be and how good the defense is. I mean, that, that has to drive you crazy if you're Dirk Cutter and Jason Light. Yeah, I think it really does. Um, it, it's it's just a, you know, this, this team has been a model of inconsistency. I hate to throw out the old cliche, but let's, you know, let's say it for what it is. That's what they are. And yeah, the and, and the, the funny thing about it is, and, and I, look, I don't know if the defense played all that spectacularly last week. Um, they couldn't get off the field on third down. That was their biggest issue. Yeah, yeah. And that allowed the Ravens to play 74 plays on offense. I mean, they almost doubled up the Buccaneers because the Bucs couldn't maintain anything offensively. Now, you know what? The only break I'll give anybody in this was that because it, it wasn't like the Ravens went out and, and rang it up on them um, that, you know, all that much. I mean, they, they did run the ball effectively, but and the Bucs did too at times. But it was just a sloppy day, and I think the weather had a lot to do with it. But, you know, again, to me, that should favor the Buccaneers. Um, because I just think overall they were the better team. I think they had the better talent, particularly on offense. And you know what it came down to? Not just on offense, really. I think the problem was uh, James Winston didn't have a, a spectacular game, but he didn't get any help either. His receivers this time dropping, what, four or five passes, I think, was the official count. Yeah. And one That's of those a was a, a potential touchdown pass uh, to Chris Godwin right at the beginning of the game early on that uh, – you know, really could have set the tone and uh, and changed the whole uh, scope of that game. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, they are a broken record. They they always keep on losing, but it's something different every week, it seems. But you mentioned it, and, and we, we, we talked about this a week ago. We're not going to really recap games or preview games because this season is over, but we're going to look at big picture with the Bucks, and there's a lot to look at big picture-wise. But you mentioned something very interesting, Roy. You mentioned talent. And you know, I saw Peter King say something uh, recently that uh, out of all the potential vacancies in the NFL, the Bucks is maybe one, maybe the, the the least attractive of all of them. And I have a lot of respect for Peter King, and, and I know you do too. But I, I got to respectfully disagree with that. I think this team has a lot of talent to play with, and the sad thing is, so does Dirk Cutter. We have enough talent, so I mean. If, uh... There, you know, there's there's more than one factor that go into to losing football game, but uh, you know everybody in the NFL has talented teams, and you know we're not we're not lacking for talent. Now here's the thing, Roy. If the Glaziers have this meeting that they're going to have, and we know it's going to happen soon, if it hasn't already happened with Dirk Cutter, when he, when he walks in, and maybe he thinks it's a hail mary, you know something will save his job. I'm playing that. Because that's the biggest indictment of coaching. If a coach admits they have plenty of talent, then what's missing? I think a lot, maybe good coaching. I mean, how do you interpret that? I, I mean, I'll, I appreciate the fact that Dirk Cutter's honest, but I agree this team does have talent, and I think that's why a lot of people are frustrated with the Bucks. I think you're right, and I agree with you and Dirk Cutter that this team does have talent. I think if you go back to uh, this is podcast fifty one. For us, if you go back to podcast number one, two, any any of the first ten uh, during preseason training camp, um, I think you'll hear me say on more than one occasion that I think this Buccaneers team this year was actually more talented than the team they had last year, which was the team that everybody thought was going to be the darling of the NFL or at least the NFC and would go to the playoffs. Um, I thought this team going into the season was more talented 
because of the addition of Ryan Jensen, because of the addition of Jason Pierre-Paul. It appeared as, as if they may have figured out the, the kicking situation a little bit. Um, I like the fact that, uh, you know, the, 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 the offense, in my opinion, uh, the, the passing game in particular, had weapons all over the place. O.J. Howard with another year under his belt with, a, you know, obviously rookie year under his belt. Same for Chris Godwin. Um, I, I thought they drafted fairly well uh, on, on the offensive side included with Ronald Jones. That didn't work out. So, yeah, I think this is a talented team. And if Peter King is basing that opinion on his belief that this isn't a talented team, well, I, I, I would challenge Peter King to come down here to Tampa and, and really take a look. I, I, I doubt that Peter King has watched too much of the Bucks this year. Um, he probably watched that uh, Monday night game against the Steelers. And, yeah, that was probably it. So I, I'm going to say that, you know, he hasn't really looked at this team because there is talent here. Um, there's no question about that. I, I think you could you could probably pick three or four Pro Bowl caliber players at least off of this team. Mike Evans, Levante David, Jason Pierre-Paul, Gerald McCoy, throwing Ali Marpet perhaps. Um, the punters are very good. Um, they, they've, they've, they have underachieved, in my opinion, based on their talent. So uh, I'm with you. I, I think there is talent here. And I honestly, w- when you started to talk about that, Mike, I, I, I thought you were going to say that you know, he looks at this as maybe one of the better options for a, for a coach coming in. The thing I think that makes it not so good, and I hate to say this because I think they've been very good owners for the most part, is the Glazers. I think this team needs someone between the Glazers and the general manager to uh, more or less be the uh, be a president, uh, someone to really overlook uh, how, how they're building this team and uh, to kind of oversee it all. Uh, I think that's something that's needed. Uh, I'd like to see the Glazers do that. Well, another reason I brought up Peter King is, and I think you make some good points, the Bucs have, uh, have just flown so far off the radar in terms of national attention. I think it, you saw when they were getting all the attention with Hard Knocks and Jameis looked like an up-and-coming player, and there were so many young players in this team that seemed like they were ready to make that next jump. How far this team has fallen even since then, on both sides of the football in a lot of ways. But losing has become contagious in this franchise. We look at all the coaching changes, but you also see it in the last few months with Dirk Cutter. Since the quick start, he just looks more and more deflated every week. And this is Dirk Cutter talking about really the state of his team right now in terms of losing. Losing is not fun. I mean, losing is not fun. And there's, you know, there's uh, when you when you get beat, you're always gonna you're always gonna look at the things your team could have done better in all phases, including coaching and. That's, you know, it's not, it's not fun at all. It's not frustrating or, you know, whatever you want to call it, but it's not, not fun. He knows he's done, doesn't he? Yeah, I think he does. And I think he's resigned to it. Um, I think he has been for a while. He, he got a little bit of a boost when the team uh, started to play a little bit better. Those, those, la- those couple games before last week, uh, or actually before uh, the, the Saints game, actually. Uh, I thought he was, you know, starting to, to kind of bounce back a little bit, much like the team. Um, look, it's understandable, and I've said it before. I, I think Dirk Cutter realizes himself that he's not an NFL head coach. I think he, I think he looks at the team and says, "Look, what you just said, Mike. This is a talented team, and I failed to bring that talent to the forefront and, and turn it into a winner." That's the challenge of a coach. A coach's job is to take the talent you have and find 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 out a way to make that group 
uh, winners, and he couldn't do it. Couldn't do it over three years. He got his third chance. He got, you know, the chance everybody said he should have. He should have gotten. He got it, and he and he failed with it. Um, it's tough to say, but it's those are the facts. Um, again, you start off two and zero uh, with your backup quarterback going against the defending Super Bowl champions uh, and the, the the defending NFC South champions. And arguably the best team in the NFC this year, as it turns out, you start off two and zero like that. You got to you got to build on that momentum, and he was never able to do it despite getting his quarterback back. And uh, so, yeah, I think he's resigned to it. It's one of the reasons I wouldn't be surprised at all if he, you know, calls the Glazers bluff and resigns before uh, before they fire him. I, I think there would be. I would almost commend him for that. I would almost. In fact, I would. I would commend him for not waiting around for the Glazers to make the call, I, I would commend him for standing up and saying, you know what, I want to appreciate, I appreciate the opportunity. Um, I didn't deliver the way I hoped I could, the way I thought I could, the way this organization expects me to, and uh, I'm going to move on. I'm, I'm, I'm not a head coach. I'm an offensive coordinator. Uh, I know that now. I had my shot. I appreciate it. Um, it's time for me, for me to go run an offense. That's a hot take that keeps burning bright for Roy Cummings. I, I can't imagine him doing that. But if you believe everything you kind of hear, rumor-wise, that they wanted John Gruden, they didn't get John Gruden, they settled for Dirk Cutter. And if that's true, you know, Dirk Cutter knew all that. I could kind of see that play into this because he's, you know, I'm not the guy. I tried to make it work. You know, Jameis really wasn't my guy. I wanted Mariota. I mean, you could read into all the tea leaves with things you hear about Dirk Cutter and the Bucks. But here's another indictment of, of Dirk Cutter. And I, I hate to be a hypocrite. I really appreciate a coach being honest. And Dirk Cutter's more honest than most NFL coaches out there. But first he says the team has talent, which is an indictment of the coaching staff. And then he says this. We go back to the broken record thing again. This team keeps making the same mistakes week after week, especially recently. Over the last two weeks, you know, it's been the same story. The last two weeks, offense – I think we were 0 for 3 on third down in the second half, and we couldn't sustain. Our defense has to be on the field too long, and our defense, you know, we're just uh, we're just uh, with our depletion at linebacker, and uh, we're just it's tough to hold up against a team that can run the football like that. And you know what? I also cover the New Orleans Saints, and that's a good coaching staff. And this is where I look I compare the Saints and the Bucks right now, because the Saints are a winning franchise. The Saints have a defensive coordinator, Dennis Allen. The defense was awful at the beginning of the year. They made adjustments. Sean Payton has had some ups and downs offensively. They've made adjustments. You don't often see the same mistakes over and over again with teams like the Saints or the Patriots or the Chiefs or the Rams, but you see it with the Bucs. And, Roy, that's coaching. It is. And, um, you know, look – I, I understand the defense got a little bit better, got maybe got a lot better in terms of numbers uh, from the time that Todd Munkin, I'm sorry, Todd Munkin, uh, the time that uh, uh, they made the change from uh, Mike Smith, um, you know, and, and I, I see the numbers, but I still see a defense that in critical moments can't stop teams, in critical moments can't, uh, you know, finish teams off. And and that's what that's what's bothered me consistently. I, I they, yes, they started to. I mean, the, the, and and I, I think I mentioned this perhaps earlier in this in this podcast, uh, not this one, but 
other podcasts. I think you have to take into consideration when you look at the Bucks defense and, and how it's gotten better, put quotes around that. Um, when when Mike Smith was in his offensive as defensive coordinator, they were facing the New Orleans Saints, who were arguably one of the best offenses in the NFL this year, still are, uh, despite what's happened the last couple of weeks. Um, the, the defending Super Bowl champions, pretty good offensive team there at times. Um, the Pittsburgh Steelers, pretty good offensive team. And then the Atlanta Falcons, pretty darn good offensive team. So, uh, you know, he had a pretty rough run of it. And I'm not using this as an excuse, but at a time when the defense still wasn't sure, the, the majority of the players on the defense still weren't sure of what they were doing. The scheme was st- still too complex for them. Um, so you bring in Mark Duffner. He automatically gets weaker teams. Look at the schedule. It's it, it, the, the facts bear me out. Um, he got weaker teams for the most part for a good stretch, uh, a defense that um, got a little bit healthier as he got as he went on, and a defense that certainly got um, more knowledge of how the scheme is run, and he simplified it. And that's the one thing he did do. But still, when you go up against the Ravens and you can't – and, you know, and you allow 200 yards rushing, that's just not – you can't have that. You, I mean, you knew going into that game, the way the weather was, they were going to pound, pound it out. Both teams tried. And the Bucks were okay at it at best, but the Ravens did it. And you've got to know that's what, that's what the game plan is here. They're going to pound it out. So, yeah, you're right. Talk about adjustments. Where were they for yeah. the Bucks' defense? They weren't there. And that's why I, I'm pretty sure Mark Duffner is not going to be around and probably going to go back to being a linebacker's coach or some other position coach somewhere. But he's not a coordinator because I think the, 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 the advances or the improvements that we saw on defense as the season progressed were largely a result of players getting healthy, understanding the scheme better and being able to play faster, uh, weaker teams, and the law of averages basically working in their favor where they got a couple of takeaways which always make you look better uh, numbers-wise, particularly on the scoreboard. So, you know, you're right. I I think there was an inability of this team, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, to make proper adjustments when they were needed uh, in games to really shut teams down and and take victories uh, away from other teams. Oh, remember back in the day, if the Bucs could only win out, you know, win win the last quarter, maybe they got a chance. Well, right now, I'm not sure they're going to win another game, the way they're playing. Uh, the Falcons are going to be hungry to close their season out in style on the road, and that's kind of a big game for them in terms of just having some kind of positivity. The Cowboys are still fighting for a playoff spot. Well, let me ask you this. In terms of the next coach, what kind of coach do you want? You want you want a veteran like a, a Bruce Arians type guy, a Mike McCarthy? You want a hot coordinator? You want a defensive coach? I mean, is there one – is there? Can we put the next Bucks head coach into a box? Like this is the kind of coach that they need. Well, I think you can. And my number one uh, type of coach, so to speak, is a proven champion chip coach. Um, I want somebody who's been there and who has done it and who has consistently won um, at a high level. I, I, I want a guy like like. Harbaugh from if the Ravens were to let Harbaugh go, I want him because he's a professional head coach. That's what I want. Number one, a professional head coach 
And I'd like him to be a guy who has won a Super Bowl or won a championship of some kind um, and done it consistently. Uh, That's number one. My number two, if I can't get that, yeah, I guess I would like that young coordinator, um, that next Sean McVay. But I I fear that most teams are going to be looking for that. In fact, everybody always does. And I think the problem you have there is, you know, much like the Dirk Cutter move, you oftentimes and way too often find out that all that young, hot coordinator is is someone who should just main, continue to be a young, hot coordinator until he's an old, hot coordinator. Sure. Um, I mean, the NFL is littered with those kind of guys. It's not littered with professional head coaches. And um, it's why I thought Lovey Smith was a good pick. He was a professional head coach. Um, and if they can't, you know, and before they get either one of those, I'll say it again, get someone in charge of football operations who's built championship caliber teams. Um, you got to have that. Someone uh, between the Glazers and the gen- general manager uh, who can basically tell the Glazers, you guys just sit on the sidelines, watch and cheer, and uh, s- stay away from the football. Stay away from the hiring. In other words, stay away from the hiring. <laughs> All right. How about this? You know Tony Dungy very well. Any chance at all the Glaciers go to Dungy? Tony, we made a big mistake several years ago in how we handled things. Uh, the, the, he's in the ring of honor now. You know, I, I was at the press conference. Everybody was playing nice. Tony Dungy lives in Tampa. Any chance Tony Dungy is welcome back at all? You know, I... I think that conversation has been had in terms of the apology, so to speak, or not the apology, but hey, you know what? Maybe maybe we messed up. Right. Although I don't I'm, think the I'm never, they're never going to apologize for Gruden, but it's how they handled right. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that you know they wish it could have worked out differently. I, I think that conversation's been had. Here's my thing: I, I think Tony Dungy has a desire or a willingness. I think he'd have a willingness here in Tampa, probably not too many other places, but I think he would be willing here in Tampa to take on an advisory role to be, and I don't think he wants to be a guy necessarily in the room every day. Yeah. Um, but I think he would willingly be a consultant. And I think he's someone that the Bucks should seek out and maybe they have already and seek out and say, Tony, um, you know, first of all, would you like to be president of the organization? I don't think Tony would do it because he's so involved in his ministry and his family and I think if he's if he's connected to a team, he's no longer doing the NBC stuff on Sunday night, which I think he really likes. It allows him to to you know keep his hand in the game, um, and gives him the platform really for everything else to kind of spring off of. Um, so I don't think he would accept it, but if they haven't done it already, they should. I think the Glazers should hire him not 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 necessarily hire him as a consultant, but make him a consultant and be sure that they go to him if they, again, if they haven't already and say, Tony, give me five names. I need five general managers, five head coaches. Who are we missing? Who are the names out there that we should really be looking at? And because Tony would tell him if he doesn't know five, Tony would say, you know what, guys, I'm not paying enough attention to it to, to tell you. And, and if he is, he would give you good names. I know that. And here's the other thing. I know they, they haven't done this before now. I know they didn't do it going into last year because I can promise you this. Tony Dungy would not have suggested John Gruden 
and not because John Gruden replaced him and won a Super Bowl. He would never have suggested John Gruden because of exactly what John Gruden did to the Buccaneers and what John Gruden is doing now. And Buccaneers fans, if you don't think it could be worse than it is right now with Dirk Cutter, imagine what it would be like with John Gruden as the head coach. Because I can promise you that the likelihood is that Gerald McCoy wouldn't be here right now. Um, they probably wouldn't have Mike Evans. Uh, they'd probably be moving on from James Winston, which I know would make some, some Bucks fans happy. But you wouldn't have any idea where you're headed as an organization right now, much like the Bucks over the last three, four years of John Gruden's tenure here, and much like the Ravens now, Ravens, Raiders now have no idea where they're going as organizations because there is no game plan with John Gruden. So they didn't have that conversation, I think, with Tony Dungy before hiring Dirk Cutter but, uh, or, or last year, but um, they should have it now. Yeah, those guys won't be part of the coaching mix. Uh, we'll, we'll answer some of the potential candidates down the road in future podcasts, but because this is the last podcast until after Christmas, until we can all kind of get together, it's time to exchange gifts in our three and out segment, but we're going to change up the music. It's the Yuletide edition, guys. Oh, yeah. Three and out, baby. We have the uh, game show kind of 70s, 80s cheesy music that you know and love, but it's uh, it's the holiday season. So we'll make three and out kind of the holiday edition. And then another reason I wanted to have the holiday music, Roy and Justin, my three questions are all about Christmas and the Buccaneers. So we had to have that, too. All right. This is kind of a broad-based question. Our first question, our three and out. And, of course, uh, I used to tell Justin some of these, but I don't tell Justin anymore. So, <laughs> And also, we want Justin to go first before Roy. Um, if you could give the Bucks a gift, it could be a, a new coach, it could be a new player, it could be anything. What gift would you give the Bucks? Because they need a lot of gifts, Justin. Oh, this is one of those times I wish Roy was going first. No, I'm glad you are. Yeah, now. I know, really. I'm on the hot seat. You've already heard my answer. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to steal yours. Um, I, I really do think they need, like Roy said, a very good, experienced coach. Um, I also love his idea about having someone between the owners and the coaching staff, someone to kind of oversee everything. But I, I really think a a coach with a lot of experience could make a huge difference. Okay, besides a coach, because Justin uh, already gave that, Roy, you don't want to re-gift. So what's your gift to the Bucks? Okay, so I can't pick either a, a, a championship-caliber coach or a president of the organization to run the football? Can't do uh, that? You can do president. You can do – yeah, you know what? It's Christmas. I don't want to be a jerk. Whatever you want to do. That's it. I, I, I want you know what I, I'll, I'll be more specific. I want to return to the glory days, and in order to make that happen, I think the Bucks need to they need to bring in someone like a Rich McKay, or maybe a Tony Dungy, to run the football end of, of things and be the overseer of who the next head coach will be. They don't need some young fresh general manager. They did that with Jason Light and Mark Dominic, and it, and look from a standpoint from the standpoint of. Um, talent I think they both did an okay job actually I really do um the problems developed in terms of 
the Glazers hired the coaches. The Glazers, the Glazers were the ones who hired uh, Raheem Morris. The Glazers were the ones who hired Greg Schiano. The Glazers hired Lovey Smith. And the Glazers, in essence, signed off on, on Dirk Cutter. Um, they, need to, they need to stop hiring coaches. They're, they're not good at it. So uh, I want a president of football operations, um, a, a guy like Tom Coughlin, who went into Jacksonville and basically said, this is how we're going to run the organization. That's what I want. I think that's where this thing starts to get turned around is someone who establishes uh, a foundation for the organization going forward as to how it's actually going to be run, uh, what kind of football we're going to play, what kind of players we're going to have, um, all that stuff. Uh, that's what needs to change. Um, they need to get somebody who can do that. Well, I think the Bucks would appreciate those gifts, but I don't think they're going to get Tony Dungy. I don't think they're going to get Rich McKay. Uh, I, I don't know who's really out there, but here's my dark horse, and we are recording right now, so hopefully I look like a genius down the road. I think this guy actually should be in the Monday Night Football booth, besides Jason Witten, who, good Lord, that guy puts me to sleep. At least put Booger in there. He's awful. Yeah, uh, not just just vanilla as the ice cream I'm going to have after this podcast. Brutal. But here's the guy I like. Okay, I think he has never won a Super Bowl, but he has a great track record with quarterbacks. Great, great track record as an offensive coordinator. And I've also liked what he's done as a head coach. Here's my pick as the next Bucks head coach, just based on the fact that I don't think they're going to get a lot of guys who I agree would be great for the team. I don't think they're going to get them. I like Bruce Arians. What about Bruce Arians? I love the idea. I'm just concerned that, you know, he left um, Arizona for health reasons. And I'm just concerned that I, I don't know how long. First of all, I don't know if he'd be a long-term answer. I think yeah. he'd be better as, a as again, that president of football operations type yeah. and maybe a role that's a little bit less stressful than the coaching situation. I, 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 if he would do it, I'm with you 100%. I just don't know if he's ready to do it. I believe he said he'd only come back if uh, if he was going to be able to coach the Browns. So it sounds like he oh, may not he be interested. Back. Well, if he if they can entice him, though, I think he'd be the perfect guy to work with Jameis Winston. I really do. I think you're right. I agree. I think that's a good call. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, he's worth whatever the money is. I just don't want to see a guy come in and – and you don't have to scale back on the job because he's not feeling right and, and fearful of what it's going to do to him health-wise. And I, and I think that's that's a concern there. But in terms of, uh, you know, the candidate for all the positions that we're talking about, he fits them all. Exactly. Well, we'll see. All right, our uh, three-and-out Christmas edition, here's question number two. Who would make the best Santa Claus, okay? Gerald McCoy, Leroy Selman, or Warren Sapp? Justin. I can't wait to hear Roy's answer, but Justin, you got to go for I can't wait to hear yours either. Um, I could see Warren Sapp making a good Santa, actually. he He's always had a very big personality, and uh, he is kind of fits the size of Santa. So I would like to see him. <laughs> I, I, I think he'd look great in a beard. Warren Sapp. All right, Roy Cummings, what do you think? Warren Sapp, that kind of shocks me a little bit. Yeah, uh, Warren probably be a better Grinch than uh, <laughs> yeah, Santa. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Leroy Selman fits in terms of, you know, the the spirit of giving, 
but Gerald McCoy is a child at heart. And when you're talking about Santa Claus, that's what it's all about. Um, you got to be a child at heart. And so it's Gerald McCoy because he is, he's a kid at heart. Um, and boy, oh boy, when you see him every year, he has the, uh, uh, the special event where he, he gets 25, 30 families or more and basically just opens up Target or Walmart or whatever and says, go get what you need. Kids, it's all on me. Uh, that's, that's Santa Claus in a, in a nutshell. And Gerald, Gerald would be a good one. He'd be a great one. Warren Sapp to me is like the bad Santa. Uh, I, don't, I wouldn't trust him if I'm hiring uh, like a Christmas party. I wouldn't trust Warren Sapp. Uh, I don't know, probably the rudest guy I've ever been around sports. So Warren Sapp is off my list. Sorry, Justin. <laughs> um, like Gerald McCoy, I love what he does in the community. But the way he's treated the media this year, I'd be worried that he might you know, get his feelings hurt if somebody says something about his play this year and, and stomp off or something. So I'm going to go to Leroy Selman because I always know what I'm going to get with Leroy Selman. I didn't know him like you did, Roy. But what I love about Leroy Selman is, and you can see this in some Hall of Fame players, I don't know how that guy was ever mean on the football field because when you meet him, he's such a calm, gentle man. And I think he'd be that way with the kids. So Leroy Selman is my guy. Um, okay, you're going to love this one. Final question, our three and out. And I guess you can go off the board, but best Christmas movie of all time? Um, well, you didn't give me any. I got, I got three choices for you, oh, okay. okay? But you can go off the board. Miracle on 34th Street, Christmas Story, or It's a Wonderful Life. And please don't say Die Hard. I hate when people do that. <laughs> it's... I heard somebody say Die Hard today. I swear to you. I, I heard somebody say Die Hard today. Well, <laughs> I'm not going to choose Die Hard, although it is funny because my wife and I watched that last week and for Christmas. Uh, my favorite Christmas movie since I was a kid, as long as I can remember, has always been It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, and it's one of those movies that I can watch every single year. And even though I know every single aspect of the story, it gets me every single time. And uh, it's actually probably one of my favorite movies, to be honest. Yes. yes. Uh, I'm right there with you, Justin. Tremendous pick. Um, a little bit of uh, It's a Wonderful Life trivia. Bert and Ernie, the police officer and the and the cab driver, right? right? Two buddies. Um, they're the characters that the no. um, the the semi, semi, Sesame Street characters, Bert and Ernie, were. Uh, oh, that totally out. makes sense now that you say that. <laughs> How about really? that? Really? Now, okay. Tell me what Buccaneers podcast. <laughs> The football insight and the insight like that into movie trivia. Oh my god! You know, I, I don't know how I didn't make that connection. All-encompassing podcast. That's that's amazing. You know what? You're not limited to Beatles knowledge, my friend. No, no, limit. Uh, a man of many talents. That's unbelievable, <laughs> man. It's crazy. Burton Ernie. Now, now you will watch Justin this year when you watch it. You'll wa you'll see it a little bit differently. Well, that's what I'm saying. I don't know how I didn't make that connection. Now that you say it, it makes so much sense. It was right there the exactly. whole time. I can't believe it. Yep. Wow. You know what? I don't think you can lose with th these three choices. And I'm glad you guys didn't go off the board, which you could have. Um, I, I I love It's a Wonderful Life. And I love Christmas Story too. But uh, Miracle on 34th Street, I, I always 
kind of my favorite. Um, I, I don't know what I just like the, uh, you know, having kids and, you know, wanting them to believe in Santa Claus. It's just, uh, you know, my mom was my mom. She would never tell me there wasn't a Santa Claus. Like even if I'd come home from college and we'd have to play along and <laughs> you love Christmas more than anybody I've ever known. So that whole, you know, always got to believe. And that movie kind of leaves it to the imagination that uh, maybe he is uh, he is the real deal. But uh, I love the plot for that one, too. But I don't think you can lose with with any of the three. But I love the fact that, uh, um, you know, we all have different opinions. The burden or anything is still blowing me away. That's that's crazy to me. That's, that's it. But it does make it does. sense. It does, doesn't it? How yeah. about that? All right, guys. Well, listen, um, no, no, not at all. Um, well, here's, here's another one, by the way. You, you, you know what? You know, obviously, the, 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 the moment where, um, and it's a wonderful life, where Jimmy Stewart realizes he's alive and he checks in his pocket for what? Zuzu's pedals, right? Yeah. All right. In <laughs> the Andrew Dice Clay movie, The Adventures of Ford Fairlane. Oh, wow. Who's the, who, who's the character that he's. I don't know, looking after or trying to find out who killed who or whatever. Zuzu pedals. Wow. You're blowing my mind. You're showing your range here. You're showing your range here. <laughs> uh, you know, it is what I do. It's what I you do. You must be great. Boy, whoa. You've got to be great, like, at Christmas parties with Trivial Pursuit or something. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I'm great at Christmas parties. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> You have to you, see. Here's the thing: when you're at a Christmas party and you're a Bucks beat writer, <laughs> you have to be able to have stuff like this to talk about because you know talking about the Bucks gets really old really fast. So this is what you get, especially if you've been a Bucks beat writer the last ten years, oh, or the last twenty, like me. So uh, well, you had yeah, some good right you, had some, you had some good years early though. I did, I did, and and you know we're all paying the price now. But yes, we did. We had some really good years early. <laughs> <laughs> I hope both of you guys have a uh, Merry Christmas. I'm lucky to have you. Lucky that uh, we get to do this, man. I feel like the podcasts have gotten better and better. Uh, we're past 50. We're looking forward to 100, and we'll keep going. We're getting more and more you know, clicks on our YouTube and uh, iTunes and Podbean, more subscribers. So uh, Merry Christmas, guys. I really appreciate it. Merry Christmas. And Merry Christmas to you and all the listeners. Uh, appreciate having you all year long. Can't wait to do it again. And uh... Uh, well, we'll do another one before the new year, right? Yes, definitely. Yeah, definitely. a post Christmas one. Hey, you know what? Maybe, maybe Bucks fans get a get a win for Christmas. Who knows? Yeah, maybe, maybe we'll see what happens. Cowboys are kind of a weird team coming up, but like we said, you know, previewing games anymore is kind of useless with this football team. But we want to end on a positive note. We don't want to talk about firings. We don't want to talk about bad play, missed assignments, penalties. Merry Christmas, Peter Pirate Nation, and we'll talk to you before the year twenty nineteen. But We'd like to thank you. We'd like to thank our titles, House of, title sponsors, House of Brews and Sea Dog Brewing Company. Great brews, great food, great service. Jamie McMullen, who owns House of Brews, a great friend of PeterPirates.com. Great family, and uh, we wish him the best. Uh, but until our post-Christmas uh, greetings to you, we will talk after Christmas. Thanks again, and uh, go Bucks. Go Bucks.